How many know that God makes all things new? Scripture teaches us all throughout Scripture, you'll see this theme, even Jesus said it, that he wants a new thing for us. He wants to give us a new heart, a clean heart. He wants to give us a new spirit. He wants to give us a better spirit. He wants to give us a new life. All these principles can be found threaded throughout the, te- the whole Old Testament and New Testament that God is wanting to create something new in us. There is a new spirit in us, given to us. At salvation, God infuses in my spirit a new spirit. But I will never walk in this new spirit. I will never walk being a victim. I'll never walk there if I have a victim mentality. For many of us, we walk in with a name tag. Hello, my name is Victim. That's our name tag today. Hello, my name's Victim. What's your name? My name's Victim too. And all the victim people huddle together and talk about who's the worst victim. When we get there, if we're not careful, it goes beyond a short season in our life and a victim mentality can be ingrained in your heart, in your spirit, to where that's all you know. That's all you know how to respond. And if we can just be honest, this is true not just outside the church, it's true in the church that many people are walking around with a victim mentality. So is it okay today if I put on my spiritual coaching hat? Uh, Sometimes I put on the teaching hat and encouraging and, and lifting you up. Other times I need to put on the coaching hat where I begin to motivate you. I'm going to get into your spiritual grill today, is what I like to say. Anybody ever played football and had a coach get into your grill? You know what I'm talking about? You get right up in your face mask and get in your grill. See, a good coach knows when to pat you on the back, when to give you praise, when to encourage you. He also knows when to motivate you and get into your grill. Say, come on now. I want to pull you up to a higher level. I want to pull you up to do something greater than what you could ever do on your own. Today is one of those times I want to get up in your spiritual grill and say, come on now, we can do better. Stop being the victim. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to use this thought on stop being the victim. I believe it's going to be very powerful, very transformational for many people in the house. God is going to do something in your spirit. He's going to break something that's been going on from generation to generation. And God is going to break that curse out of your life and out of your family's life in Jesus' name. Nothing will keep you bound like a victim mentality. Nothing nothing will keep you bound like a victim mentality. See, when you walk around with a victim mentality, you might as well put a ball and chain around your leg because it will slow you down. It will wear you out. It will keep you captive to where you are. You're ready to run the race. God said, I've got a race for you. We're all running this race, but some of us are limping. Some of us are dragging a ball and chain, and we're not winning the race that God has set for you to run because you're allowing a victim mentality to bring you down. So turn to your neighbors and say, today, I'm breaking my victim mentality. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you need to break your victim mentality as well. We have become professional victims. Have you ever noticed that everyone's a victim these days? 
I mean, everybody's a victim. We trade tra the society, everybody's a victim. Every, every, every race is a victim. Every gender is a victim. Every non-gender is a victim. Not that there's not a non-gender, I just wanna throw it out there for funny, okay? But you get the, the gist of what I'm saying. Listen, you can either stay a victim, look at this, you can either stay a victim or you can become a victor. The choice is yours. Even as a Christian, you have a choice. Will I remain a victim or will I become a victor? The Bible says I am more than an overcomer. The Bible says I am more than a conqueror. I have been given the victory. In case you don't know, I've read the end of the book and it says we win, church. We win. So you need to realize that this because I may have been a victim doesn't mean I stay a victim right now. God is wanting you to be a victorious. He's called you to live a victorious life. And how do we get there? When I break a victim mentality. Let's go to our text in 2 Corinthians 1. We're going to spend our time in this text today. Let's read verses 3 and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, let's read this part together. God is our merciful Father and what? The source of all comfort. Let's say that last phrase again. The source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are in trouble. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Today, I want you to know something. You got to understand this. If you're going to break the victim mentality, you got to realize God is the source of all comfort. God becomes the source of getting the comfort we need. We try to get comfort from everything else. We look to self-medicate our comfort. If, that's how we get addicted to things. That's how we use other substance and addiction. That's how we use pornography. That's how we use uh, affairs. That's how we use other things in our life to self-medicate. More money will do it. More titles will do it. More degrees will do it. More relationships will do it. And they all leave you feeling empty because they were never meant to be your source of comfort. Your source of comfort was always meant to be from God himself. It is God who gives me comfort. God is the true source of comfort. God comforts us the soul we can comfort somebody else. I want you to get the two things. If you don't get anything else the rest of the day, I want you to get these two things. Number one, God wants to be our source of comfort. And number two, God wants me to comfort others. This is how he designed us to be. Our source of comfort comes from him and him alone. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can begin to break off bad behavior in our, your life that you're trying to self-medicate. And we look to self-medicate our pain, our trouble. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You're right, and you don't know what I've been through. We've all gone through it. And we gotta realize this, that our source of comfort comes from God. The sooner we get there, the sooner we can begin to break this victim mentality. And he goes beyond that. God says, I want to give you comfort so in return you can help those that are going through the same problems you went through and comfort them as well. Why? Number one, we're called to be his hands and feet. 
right? I'm called to be Jesus here on earth to other people. So when I comfort other people, I'm being as unto the Lord, to them. But number two, it's just not for them. God designed you to heal by helping other people. There is something that is released when you begin to get your mind off of your own problem, your mind off of your own hurt, and you start helping people who are hurting also, pretty soon what you find is your spirit begins to heal. Your mind begins to heal. Your heart begins to heal. You find healing happening when you start helping other people who've gone through similar problems as you. When I help others, I heal. That's the way God designed me. And he only is my source. You will never heal when you are a victim. When you keep a victim mentality, you will never get the full healing God has for you. So today I want you to stop the victim mentality. Now let's pick it up in verses 5 through 9. For the more we suffer for, your, for Christ, the more God will shower us with what? His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, even when we're weighed down with troubles, God showers his comfort upon us. It's your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then, look at this, then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are all confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort. Are you, are you finding a theme here? God wants to give us comfort. We share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. That's some of you today. You've gone through some things beyond your ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Ever been there? In fact, we expected to die. Been there, right? But as a result, we stopped relying on our self and learned to rely on God who what? Raises the dead. So today you may say, I feel like my life is over. I feel like there's no hope. And today, I want you to understand something. It is God who gives me comfort. And not only does God give me comfort, he has the power to resurrect dead things in my life. And when I thought I was dead and gone, when I thought I wouldn't dream anymore, when I thought I couldn't love again, when I didn't think joy would return to me, God has the power to speak out to my Lazarus self and say, Lazarus, come forth out of my life. Come up, wake up, dead man, wake up, dead woman. Woman, you're not a dead. You are alive in Christ. Only God brings true comfort. See, victory is yours. A victim mentality relies on yourself. I, I will fix this. A victim mentality says, I, I can do this. And we self-medicate through all kinds of things. I'll get comfort through all kinds of things. But a victor mentality says, no, my comfort comes from God alone. A victor mentality says, you know what? God is the source of my strength. Look at this statement today. I want you to see this and I want you to get it. Out of your misery comes your ministry. 
Out of your mess comes your message, and out of your test comes your testimony. It's out of your greatest spots of being broken that God wants to bring comfort to you and bring a message of hope to somebody else. Out of your test comes the greatest testimony you will ever have. Out of your greatest mess will come the greatest message you'll ever preach. Will come out of that. It's the same way. I mean, think about it. This becomes the same thing that happened to David. Remember King David before he was king? He had killed Goliath. And then the people start praising David. He's anointed the next king. He's there serving Saul. Saul gets jealous and puts out a bounty. I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill David. And so David flees by the warning of Jonathan, Saul's son, flees and begins to run for his life. And then a band of guys were with him. And they, they rallied around David and said, we'll go with you too. They, they fled. But they fled so fast because they're going to be killed. They didn't take any food. They didn't take any weapons. They just got out of town as fast as they could because they were going to be killed. And they're in hiding. And finally, they're like, man, we got to go find some food. And the Bible says they, they went to the temple. And the priest, Ahimekek, was there. And he came out and he, he gave David's men some, some food. They were starving. And they just soaked it right up. And he's like, well, what are you going to do to fight? He goes, we don't have any weapons. He goes, hang on just a second. And the priest goes back, and he comes back out, and he's holding the sword of Goliath. He says, David, do you recognize this sword? Uh, yeah. There is no sword like this in the whole land. And he goes, here, you can use this to fight with. And think about that for a minute. When the enemy was putting together that sword, when it was being wrought after, it was being designed to cut off David's head. It was being designed to kill David. It was being designed to destroy David. It was that Goliath's sword was there to kill the enemies of the Lord. They were like, you know what? You're, you're not for God. You're for God. And so we're going to kill you. And the Philistines were not for God. And they were going to kill anybody who was from Israel. And so we see something happening here where Goliath's sword was meant to destroy David's life. And after David defeated Goliath, he's now being given back the very sword that was meant to be in his life, to kill him. Now he becomes a weapon in his hand. See, I want you to get something. When God places a hurt, when God places something you've gone through that meant to destroy your life, and it gives it back to you in your hand, no longer is it there to destroy your life, but now it's there as a weapon to fight. It's there for a weapon to say, you know what? You meant this for evil, but God's going to turn it around for good. This thing has been given back to me as a weapon in my hand. And I may have went through some hurt in my life, but what the enemy doesn't understand is this, that I'm still standing today. And that test becomes my testimony. That mess becomes my message right now. And I want you to know right now that my misery is now my greatest ministry. I'm now going to take that and I'm going to comfort somebody else who's gone through that hurt just like me. And now what happens? God's healing you. And God's using the very thing that the enemy wanted to destroy your life. Now you're using that to help somebody else. It's like this. The greater the pain, the greater the audience. Today, if I got up to you and said, you know what, this week, church, I was, I was going through the house and the lights were kind of dim and they didn't realize it and I hit my toe. You know the pinky toe you always hit on the furniture or the bed and you're like, ah! It, it hurt really, it hurt really bad. 
I stopped. It hurt. My toe was hurting. I was screaming. How many is going to give me sympathy today? No one's going to give me sympathy, right? You're like, here, Pastor Gene, call 1-800-CRY-BABY. Let's call someone who cares. Grow up. You know, we all stump our toe. It happens. Man up. Quit making a big deal about it. Quit being a drama queen. Come on now. We all hit our toe. But if I get up and tell you that in my life that my wife and I suffered three miscarriages and lost a baby, long-term lost a baby. I tell you what, we know what it is to bury loved ones two at a time at the same funeral. That gets your attention, doesn't it? Why? Because, man, that's, you know that's great pain. That comes from a place of great pain. That comes from a place of a great despair. And whatever reason, people pay attention to that. People want to hear those stories. People want to hear how that affected you. People want to hear how you overcame that. See, what I want you to get is your greatest pain can begin with your greatest audience. People want to hear how you overcame. People don't want to hear how you gave up. They want to hear how you overcame. I am a victor, not a victim. We have all, probably in this room, all of us have become a victim at one time in our life. It's okay, listen to me, it's okay to have been a victim, but it's not okay to stay a victim. Let that sink in for a second. It's okay to say, I, I have been a victim. It's all right to be part of your testimony. I was a victim of abuse. I was a victim of this. I was a victim of bad circumstances. I was a victim of some of this happening. It's okay to have been a victim. It's not all right to stay a victim because God has given you an overcoming spirit. God has given you a victory spirit. God has given you a spirit inside you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am not a victim any longer. I don't stay a victim. I am a victor in Jesus' name. Look at this. When you become a victim, you begin to see everything through the eyes. Everything through the eyes of a victim. You put on those victim glasses and all of a sudden, ah, no one likes me. No one's for me. Everyone's against me. I'll never love again. I'll never be happy again. I'll never have joy again. I'll never stop crying. I'll ne when you become a victim, you see everything through the eyes of a victim. Can I say this to you? People who have become professional victims, not people who are temporary victims, but people who become professional victims like the attention of being a victim. And sometimes we get addicted to the attention of being a victim. And we don't want to overcome because we like being the attention of a victim. For some of you, the only way you've learned to get love and affirmation is by being a victim. That's the only way you learn growing up. The more I'm a victim, the more attention I get. So you carry that over, never realizing that, no, the attention you're craving comes from God and God alone. The affirmation you need is found in the word of the Lord. The affirmation is found in the cross that God so loved the world that he gave his life for you and that he sees you as the apple of his eye. There, I can receive the affirmation I need. Stop letting the victim mentality keep you a slave. This will ruin, listen, when you're a victim of spirit, it will ruin your relationships. 
It will ruin your marriage. A victim mentality will keep you broke. Are you hearing me today? Uh, if I can just get more money, I'll be happy. No, you won't because you got a victim mentality. I've seen people with a victim mentality get double, triple the what they used to make, and they're still broke and still miserable. It's still a victim. Money was not their problem. The victim mentality. I'll never get out of poverty. I'll never do any better. I'll never, I'll never, never, never. You carry this victim mentality. It's been passed down to you. For many of you, it's passed down from generation to generation. People get married. Can, I just be, can, can we just be real? Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor Gene's about to get real this morning. Let's be really honest and really real. You ready? Okay. You remember when you first get married? The honeymoon is so great. But after you get back and you settle in and the honeymoon phase is over, pretty soon wives, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, no more texts every day. No more little notes left for me. He used to get me flowers and buy me cars. He used to fill my gas up in my tank. And he used to do this. He used to go wash my car. He used to take me on dates all the time. Now he doesn't appreciate me the way that he needs to. And despite all of that, he don't ever pick up his dirty socks and dirty underwear off the floor. <laughs> Leaves his towel laying there. Does he think I'm his mate? I am not his mate. I got to cook, I got to clean, I got to put away the laundry, I got to do the laundry. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that and he leaves and I got to pick up everything. I am not his mama. I thought I was getting a husband and not a child. And then you fall on the bed and you put your hand over your head. Oh my God, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't get married for this. Oh, this is horrible. And then husbands are like, well, I get up and go to work every morning. And I'm working all day long. I'm working. And I didn't want the extra car payment. She wanted the new car. I didn't want a car. She wanted the new car. So now I'm working two jobs to pay the car payment I didn't really want. I was happy driving the old truck. But now we had to get a new car and I had to get two jobs to pay for this. So I'm working to pay bills I didn't really want to keep her happy. I'm going to work every day. And do I get a thank you for going to work every day? No. All I did when I come home is, can you do this? Can you do that? I mean, despite the fact she quit wearing makeup three months ago, I still come in and treat her like a queen and get up and work all this overtime and try to help her. She doesn't appreciate me. She doesn't appreciate the sacrifice I'm doing for this family. I've given my life to this family, and this is all I get. I'm pretty certain it's a competition on who's the biggest victim in the marriage. Oh, well, I'm doing this, well, I'm doing that. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is this. If those two people decide to recreate and reproduce, And all of a sudden, victim A and victim B produces victim C. Come on out right there. They reproduce little victims everywhere else. And all these little victims are like, you know what? They go to school to come home. My teacher doesn't like me. 
the teacher always picks on me. And you're like, well, my, there ain't nobody going to pick on my child. I'll go down there and tell that teacher a piece of my mind. Let him know you're not going to pick on my child that way. My, child, my child's not going to be a victim. Dad, I need a new PS5. That costs more than what dad makes a week, honey. But you know what? My, my child's not going to be a victim, so I'm going to do everything I can to get them that if I can't afford it. And then all of a sudden, they go out for sports teams. My coach doesn't like me. That's why I'm not playing. Well, it could it be that you got a victim mentality? You want everything handed to you. You don't want to work for it, okay? Could it be that? Just saying. But what I'm saying is this. We are reproducing victim children that are carrying that all over from generation to generation. Some of you, that's all you've known. Your family played the victim, so you played the victim card. Every time a marriage gets bad, well, I'm the victim. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, maybe I'm the problem. You know what follows you from marriage to marriage to marriage and from relationship to relationship? There's a common denominator there. If you don't know that, what that is, look in the mirror, you will find it. It's me. It's you. So I got to quit blaming and being the victim and say, what do, what do I have in this thing? See, I've got to quit blaming everything on the victim. Then we get married to another victim and then we reproduce victim children. And then any singles in the house today say, Pastor Gene, you're preaching really good to all these married people, right? How many single people think I, I picked a good day to be single right here? Well, let me tell you, single people today, this also happens. Single people come in, they go out on the first date, and they're like, let me just tell you ahead of time. I may not talk a lot at first. It's not because I'm shy. It's just I've been hurt a lot in my life. I've gone through some very hard relationships, and so forgive me if I don't seem like I'm really gonna ho about going out again. And we're already playing the victim the first time we go out with somebody new. Well, I was hurt. And then that person's like, well, yeah, well, I went through a hard breakup too. And all of a sudden, you spend the whole rest of that evening comparing who was the worst victim in the last relationship you were in. It carries over. Can we just say it carries over into the church as well? It does. We'll come in, well, the church doesn't like me. No one wants to use me there. No one really, no one even acknowledges me there. No one sees me there. No, and we have all these things. We start playing a victim mentality. It will carry over even into the church. Why? Because the victim mentality will keep you out of God's will. The victim mentality will keep you out of the promises of God. The victim mentality will keep you out of growing deep in the things of God. God wants you to break out of your victim mentality and realize I'm a victorious. I am a victor in God today. Living the victim mentality, look at this, living the victim mentality destroys who God designed you to be. It destroys it. God designed you to be a new creation, a new heart, a new spirit. God designed you to be more than a conqueror. God designed you to be victorious in him. And that will never happen when I have the mentality of a victim. I want you to break out of that mentality of being a victim. We've all heard stories of people. We see documentaries of people who, children who were raised with parents who were addicts and 
parents who were prostitutes, parents who a dad left and a mom was having to go out and do things and they're drug addicts and they raised these children and they interviewed these children and maybe there's two of them raised in the same exact home or passed around from loved one to loved one. Maybe that was you. Had that. And you'll interview one, one and they'll say, you know what, they went to track that child down and they're living on the streets, homeless, a drug addict, selling themselves to make money just to live, and just complete wreck. And you talk to them, and it's like, well, my, my mama's a wreck and this is all I've known. This is the streets of all I've known. And then they go find the other child and they say, you know what? I decided that I wanted something better for myself. And so I decided to, to stay in school. I decided to graduate. I decided to go to college. I decided to get a job. I got married and now I have a family and I have children. And God's healing me through this process of all this. Why? What's the difference between the two? One chose to be a victim and live a victim. One chose to say, you know what? I'm breaking a victim spirit. And it happens all the time. You may not have chose to be a victim as a child, but you have a choice to stay a victim. Listen, I know there's people in this room that had horrible, horrible victim things done to you in your life. I believe that. I know that to be very true. And I'm not trying to brush any of that aside and say it doesn't matter. It did matter. And it matters to God. And God is here to heal your heart. But you don't have to stay a victim for the rest of your life. Someone's got to break that over your family. Someone's got to break that curse over your family and over your mind and say enough's enough. I'm going to for me and my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God as God for my life. My family, my children, my life is not going to be a casualty to being a victim. I'm breaking that out. I don't have to be a victim because I was as a child. Doesn't mean I have to be one as an adult. I can choose to walk victorious. Look at this. Numbers 11, 5 through 6. So we get ready to close. We remember. We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. These are the slaves. These are the slaves that God took out of Pharaoh's captivity. Moses gets them free. And now as they're freed, this is what they say. We remember the fish we used to eat back as slaves for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, all the melons, all the leeks. Some like some of you today. All the onions. All the garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see and all we ever get is this manna. You talk about a victim mentality. I mean, they were ready to go back to being slaves over a free meal. Listen, stop becoming a slave for a meal. Stop becoming a slave for a meal. They forget that back there is where we were raped. Back there is where they stole my daughter. Back there is where they overworked us. Back there is where they whipped us. Back there we were in chains. Back there we were living in poverty. Back there we forget all that because the meal was free. And for many of us here, a victim will, will look back and say, well, I'll stay a victim because at least over there I got some attention. At least over there I was comfortable. Over there I knew who I was. 
Over there, I could blame everybody else for my problems. Over there, I could point and blame them. So if you stay a victim, you're always blaming somebody else. You're always looking to stay a victim. You always want to be a bondage to a victim. But listen, when you break the mentality of being a victim, you say, I'm going to step out on God's best. I'm going to eat God's manna. I'm not going to eat as a slave any longer. I'm not going to put in my mind that I'm a victim any longer. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus. I'm stepping out of that person I used to be. Victim mentality keeps you a slave. Well, I was better off before I went to church. Before I went to church, I could fish on Sunday mornings. I could play golf on Sunday mornings. I could go out and get groceries on Sunday mornings. I could do this. Now we got to be at church on Sunday mornings. Pastor Gene wants to take offerings up and feed the hungry kids. Cost me a whole day's wage. See, that's what living a victim does. It was be- no living before you went to church. Your life was a wreck. Your marriage was a wreck. You had no purpose, no hope, no identity. But God has changed your life around. God has done a 180 in your life, and He's taken your children out of being lost and put them in land right now in the promises that God's got for their life. Don't forget where you're going. Stop looking back. Look forward. Break the mentality of a victim. How many say today, Pastor, I'm going to break a victim's mentality. I'm going to break it over my life. I'm going to break it over my children. Stand on your feet this morning. This series is going to be good. I'm telling you, this series is going to be really, really good. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be so good. We're going to talk about breaking this mentality over our life, over our children. How many say, Pastor, today I'm ready to break out of that? Even small parts of it, I feel, I can see where maybe I've leaned on that. Anybody here want to be honest? See, it's okay, it's me. Yeah, it's good, good. Keep your hands raised. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that, God, you are bringing people out of a victim mentality. And, God, you're putting our feet on a solid rock right now. And, God, I pray right now through this series of the Word of the Lord, it becomes alive in their life. That, God, we are no longer going to remain a victim. But, God, we declare over our life, over our marriage, over our children, over our grandchildren, that that spirit of being a victim is broke in Jesus' name. And we're going to be victorious. We're going to walk victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. Right now is your time. Say, I'm ready to give Jesus my life. How do we do that? We simply say, Jesus, I believe in the finished work of the cross, that you died for my sins, that you are the Messiah, and that you resurrected on the third day, given the power of death, hell, and the grave. So today, if that's you, you say, Jesus, I put my faith in you today. God, I believe you are the Messiah, and I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. I am no longer a slave to the person I used to be, but now I'm going to walk in a new freedom, a new life, and a new spirit. All things, all things are passing away, and new things are coming in Jesus' name.